All right, Jabosei, good evening, good evening. Let us begin. So tonight we are on Daf Chaf. Uh, no, sorry. Yeah, Chaf Amadalif, 20A. And we left off on Thursday night. We finished Thursday night at uh, Rav Gidl, at the two dots, the two dots before the Mishnah. So it is, uh, well, the second two dots. It's uh, two, um, two, four, six, eight, ten. 12, 14, 16, 18, 19 lines up from the bottom. Rav Gidl Habaragil, the Habaka Azal Yosef Ashari de Tvil. So Rav Gidl, Rav Gidl would go ahead and sit by the mikvah, sit by the mikvah, the women's mikvah, and Amalahu Hachi Tevilu Bahachi Tevilu. And this, if there were any Shilas, right, he'd be available for the Shilas. He would tovel like this, tovel like this. Amalahu Banan, Lo Kamestafi Marmiyat Sahara. I don't know, that seems to be playing with fire a little bit, you know, to sit by the mikvah, right, where you understand why women are going to the mikvah. So isn't, it's, it's said to him, aren't you concerned about the Yitzhahara sitting by the mikvah and seeing these women go to the mikvah? Obviously, he's not, he's not seeing the women go to the mikvah, but he's seeing the women go into the mikvah, right, go into the structure, come out of the structure. So aren't you nervous about, about the Yitzhahara? Amrale damyin ba'apai kika koichiyuri. It was actually beautiful. He says, these women are in my eyes like white geese, like white geese. So obviously, again, the whiteness, a reference ultimately, again, to purity, to purity. And what he was saying was he just didn't have a Yetzirah, didn't have a Yetzirah, that this didn't elicit any type of immoral thoughts inside of him. Incredible. What a level to be on. Rabbi Yochanan Habaragel Davaka Rabbi Yochanan normally sat by the entrance of the mikvah. Amar kiselkan benosi srava asian mitvila mistaklin bi. This is a great story. I'll say. So what happened? So Rabbi Yochanan said, "You know what? When the women come out of the mikvah before they go home, I want them to look at me. Why? Venehavi lehu zara de shapiri kavasi. Ultimately, again, this way they'll have offspring that are as handsome as me. Apparently, Rabbi Yochanan was very was very handsome." So if a woman sees, you know, someone who is handsome, that's, you know, that, that, that's the kavana she has to have handsome offspring. And hopefully it'll have an impact on the offspring. Incredible. So Amrili Rabbanon, lo kamestafi mar bisha. So I said to Yochanan, aren't you concerned about Ayin Hara? After all, again, you're sitting there by the mikvah, right? You're, you're broadcasting, you're broadcasting that uh, you're so handsome. Aren't you concerned about the Sahara? Amrili Abos is beautiful. Amrili Ana Mizara di Yosef Kaasina. No, I'm not worried about Yitzhara. Why not? I'm a descendant of Yosef. I'm a descendant of Yosef. The Loshalta Ba Eina Bisha. By Yosef, the Ayin Hara, the evil eye, has no hold over it. I will say just by the way, just a word about Ayin Hara. So Ayin Hara, what what is Ayin Hara? Right? So it's not like a, like a heebie-jeebie uh, type of thing. Ayin Hara means like this. When a person has a bracha from a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and they either flaunt that bracha or they use that bracha in a way which causes pain to other people. So the Ribbon Shom says, you know, if you're going to misuse that bracha, then at the end of the day, I'm going to take it back. That's what Ayin Hara means. So sits Rabbi Yochanan, you're sitting by the mikvah because again, kind of broadcasting your, your physical beauty, your handsomeness. So aren't you concerned about Ayin Hara? So he said, I'm from Yosef. And the descendants of Yosef, Ayin Hara, has no sway, has no hold over them. So the Mara says, because the Pasuk says, Ben Poras Yosef, Ben Poras Ale Ayin. Literally again, a charming son is Yosef. Say Ben Paras Ale Ayin. Ba'amra Biyavo Al Tikri Al Tikri Ale Ayin Ella Ole Ayin. 
that the offspring of Yosef ultimately, again, ole ayin, are above the eye, above the evil eye. That's right, no ayin hara could have any type of impact on them. Now we'll see why that is in just a moment. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Chanina, Rabbi Yosef, says from here, the yid gularov bekeref haaretz. Ultimately, both remember again, this is the bracha that Yaakov Avinu gives to Menashe and Ephraim. And he tells Menashe, that literally again, they will multiply like fish in the midst of the land. Why fish? Just like the fish of the sea, ultimately again, they're covered by the water. And because they're covered by the water, therefore, therefore the Ayin Hara has no control over them. Right? Again, I want to say a very important use. So because they because they are covered by the water, therefore they can't be seen, therefore no Ayin Hara. So to the offspring of Yosef, Ayin Hara, the evil eye, has no control over it. Now we'll say now now why is that? So we'll say so the Gemara gives a number of different derivations for the concept ultimately again that Ayin Hara has no control over the descendants of Yosef. So why is that? And this is actually quite beautiful. Why is that? Because in this answer, last answer really gives it. Yosef made a conscious decision to not allow his eyes to benefit from something that was not his. This, of course, is a reference to the entire episode with, with Potiphar's wife. Potiphar, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, but Yosef resisted. Literally, again, he would not allow himself to enjoy, to, to, to have something that was not his. He wouldn't look at her, and he wouldn't do anything more with her. So I'll say it's incredible. So because of that, because Yosef was careful with his eyes and would not look at something that was not his, therefore the eye and heart, the evil eye, so to speak, has no control over Yosef, which I will say is such, a, is such an overwhelming idea, right? We, we all know about the concept of Shmira Sainai, of being careful what we look at and being careful what we see. So often we kind of just look at that concept as, okay, it m- makes sense, and I'm not supposed to look at inappropriate things, because looking at inappropriate things could ultimately lead one over time to inappropriate action. But you, you begin to see from the Gemara something even more profound, that when a person is careful with Shmira Sainayim, when I am careful with what I look at, then at the end of the day, the Ayn Hara doesn't have control over me. If I'm careful with my eyes, then the evil eye ultimately, again, the Ayn Hara can't have a negative impact on me. A really, really incredible concept. Good. I will say, let's begin our next mission. A really interesting sogi here. Nashim. Yes. No, the Masha brings down, the Masha brings down that it was more like when a woman comes out of the mikvah, that if, if the first thing she sees is an item of beauty, it has a positive impact. Not, not that she'd be thinking about Rabbi Yochanan when she was with her husband, right? That, that would be inappropriate. But it was more like, come out of the mikvah, and now in that state of Tara, the first thing that she gazes upon is something beautiful and holy. It sets a different tone for then her intimate relationship with her husband. Says the Mishnah. So now let's get back to a little bit of some of the halachas of Kriyashma. Interesting halacha over here. Women, servants, and children are all potter from Shema. Now, we've, we've seen this already before. Why are all of these people potter from Shema? Because remember again, Shema is a mitzvah asay shazman grama. It's a time-bound commandment. So remember again, and all of these individuals 
are exempt from any time-bound commandments. Okay? Kriyashma Amud Beis, Amud Beis 20b, they're also part of from Tfilin. Now, interestingly enough, interestingly enough, Tfilin is also time-bound. So the Pashtas, they're also part of from Tfilin because it's time-bound. Now, it's interesting, Rashi brings down something fascinating. Rashi says, while, while time-bound is a reason to exempt women and servants from tefillin. What about children? What about ketanin? So it's interesting. Rashi says the reason why children are, are, are potter from tefillin is because tefillin requires a clean body. And often children aren't necessarily careful enough or meticulous enough to maintain the proper level of physical preparedness. And therefore, they don't put on tefillin. Which will say something interesting. I just want to point out something fascinating. The halacha is, the halacha is, Shalom Rachachli Paskins, that as soon katan hayodea lishmar as kufo, once a child knows how to keep his body clean, he's obligated to put on tefillin. Which is actually interesting. So, you know, we always associate tefillin with bar mitzvah. But technically speaking, if you have a 10-year-old boy who is cognizant, who is responsible, I mean, just in, in a limited fashion, I don't mean like responsible, like, like life-wise, but responsible enough to keep his body clean, technically speaking, you put on tefillin. So just, just an interesting idea. Okay, that's tefillin. Vechayoven betfila but yet, all of these people, right? All these people are chayiv in tefillah. So remember again, tefillah means shmona esrei. So remember again, shmona. Now, why would they be chayiv? Why, why would these people be chayiv in shmona? Say, look at Rashi. Rashi is chayiv in tefillah. The tefillah rachamihi. Tefillah, remember again, is a supplication. So ultimately, again, Shmona Esra is one of those things where is it time bound? Technically, it's time bound, but since it's supplicatory in nature, it makes sense that everybody would want to participate in it. Okay, and benching. So, so Shmona Esra, everybody's obligated in mezuzah. Everybody's obligated in, and ultimately, again, benching. Everyone is obligated in as well. Okay, so we'll see, we'll see all of this. We'll see all of this in the So let's, let's begin to analyze. Gimara. So remember again, the first statement in the Mishnah was women, nashim, avadim, servants. And again, when we speak about servants, remember again, who are we talking about? That's an Eved Kenani, right? An Eved Kenani, a non-Jewish servant. Because remember again, an Eved Ivri, a Jewish servant is a Jew. So a Jew is chayiv and nitzvah. Like there's no, there's no Torah. We're talking about Eved Kenani over here. So women, avodim, ketanim, pater from Shema. The Gemara says, Kriya Shema, pshita. It's obvious. Mitzvahs ase shazman gramahu. It's a time-bound mitzvah. V'chol mitzvahs ase shazman gramah, nashim peturos. And we know the halacha. Every time-bound mitzvah, women are exempt. Women are exempt. So what's the novelty in this statement? So the Gemara says, Malatim, what would you have thought? What is Kriyashma? Kriyashma is the acceptance of the yoke of heaven. So because it's such a dramatic thing, I might have thought that everybody is chayiv in Shema, even women. I, it's time-bound. I got it. I understand it's time-bound. But at the same time, at the end of the day, it is the acceptance of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and everybody should really be chayiv in that. They're also... Exempt from tefillin, so pshita. That's also obvious. So mal de tema, mal de tema. How will veiskish lemezuzah? We'll say I would feel like this in shema, in shema, the mitzvah of tefillin and the mitzvah of mezuzah are juxtaposed to each other. So I would have thought that just like everyone is chayiv in mezuzah, so to what everyone is chayiv in tefillin. 
Kamash Malon, that even though there is a juxtaposition, Tfilin is a mitzvah, Asesha, Azman, Grama, Time, Bal Mitzvah, and therefore women will be exempt. Vechayoven betfila. But yet, yet women, women, Avadim, Kitanim are going to be Chayiv in Tfila. Why? Dirachaminin Ultimately, yeah, because Tfila is a supplication. And it was everybody needs to supplicate. Everybody has needs from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And as such, Halacha Lamaisa, everybody's obligated in Tefillah. So the Gemara says, what would you have thought? Now listen to this. So this is very interesting. Since the Pasuk, now the Gemara are recording the Pasuk from Tehillim. The Pasuk reads like this. Erev in the evening, Boker in the morning, Sarayim in the afternoon, Asicha ve'ema vayishma koli. I converse with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So David HaMelech, when he talks about Tefillah, right, he discusses it as being at different intervals of the day. Right, in the morning, in the, sorry, in the evening, in the morning, in the afternoon. So you might have thought, therefore Tefillah, is also in mitzvah sasei shazman gram. It's also a time-bound commandment, and therefore you should be pater. Kamash bonan. I just want to point out something interesting over here. Tefillah is time-bound. Tefillah is time-bound. But even though tefillah is time-bound, the Gemara says, since it's rachami, it's a request for divine compassion, it's supplication, I'm asking my needs, everyone needs to be involved in that. So because that, even though there is a time element, halach so women are still going to be obligated. Beautiful. Okay, let's go back to mezuzah. But yet, both say again, everybody's obligated in mezuzah. So the Gemara says, pshita. So that's obvious. So now the say, obviously, yechai mezuzah, right? After all, again, mezuzah is not time-bound. Right? There's no time element. So remember, again, at most, women are exempt from mitzvahs that have a time element. But if there's no time element, of course, they're going to be chayiv. So the Gemara says, What would you have thought? the temal, hoil v'iskish l'talmud Torah. So I would have thought like this. Since, since, sorry, since mezuzah is compared to Torah. Now, both say, now, 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 where is that? Look at Rashi. Rashi says over here, nakish mezuzah l'talmud Torah, dechsev v'limaratem osam, so most remember again, in, in Kriyashma, there's a juxtaposition to the mitzvah of Torah, of Talmud Torah, to the mitzvah of mezuzah. So I would have thought like this. Now get ready for this. We're going to see this. We're going to see this a little later on. When it comes to Talmud Torah, the Torah says, The obligation to teach Torah is dafka, the obligation that a person has towards his sons. There is not an obligation to teach a daughter Torah. We'll talk about that in greater depth. So I would have thought like this. Since ultimately, again, the mitzvah of mezuzah is juxtaposed to Torah, and Torah, there's only an obligation to teach your sons and not to teach your daughters. Therefore, halach, lemaisi, masi, mezuzah only applies to men and not to women as well. Kamash molon, no. Kamash molon, even though there is a juxtaposition, halach, lemaisi, halach, lemaisi, mitzvah, tefillin, applies to everyone. Okay, birkas hamazon, and benching. And benching, so women are obligated in benching. Sepshita, I both say it's kind of obvious. Why, why, why wouldn't women be obligated in benching? So what would you have thought? Hoil uksiv beseis Hashem lachem be'erev basar lechol 
Belechem Baboker Lisboa, Kimitzvas Ase Shazman Gramadami. So Rabbi said, this is very interesting. So the Pasik in Shmos talks about the Mon, right? Or about sustaining Khalis on the desert. And it says, When Hashem will give you meat in the evening to eat and bread in the morning to satiate yourself. So it links bread, it links bread ultimately again with a time of day. So you would have thought that maybe benching, maybe benching is considered to be like a mitzvah aseshaz man grama. Kamash not like that. Kamash malon, halacha lamaisa. Benching is not time bound and therefore everyone's obligated. Beautiful. Shabbos is interesting case. Women are chayos. Now, 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 we're, now we're switching out a little bit away from the Mishnah. So we'll say what the Mishnah essentially has told me is that women are going to be exempt from all time bound mitzvos. All time bound mitzvos. And effectively, with one exception, right? The one exception is going to be tefillah. Even though tefillah is time bound, but because it's rachami, it's supplicatory in nature, everyone needs to dive into a kaddish baruch hu and ishmor Therefore, we're obligated. So now let's go through a few more. Listen to this. Fascinating. Women are obligated in kiddish. Women are obligated in kiddish. So this is kiddish on Shabbos. Right, midaraisa. Am I? But one second. Why women are chayav in kiddish? After all, mitzvas asay shazman gramahu. The whole mitzvah says Shazman Grama, Nashim Peturos. Once again, Kiddush, Kiddush is a time bound mitzvah. Kiddush is a time bound mitzvah. If Kiddush is a time bound mitzvah, then why would women be obligated in it? Tabo said it's actually quite fascinating. It means they're chayiv midrabanon in Kiddush. But that's not what it says. But that's not true. It's the price that we just said before that Nashim chayavos be Kiddush hayom devar Torah. That women are obligated in Kiddush midoraisa. So what's going on over here? The old called mitzvahs asay nechayvinu midrabanon. Furthermore, again, if you're going to tell me that they're obligated in Kiddush midrabanon, then why not obligate them in all time bound mitzvahs midrabanon? To which Mara says, you're right. Allah Amarav, Rabbi says, finish up this piece. Allah Amarav, Amar Kra, the Pazik says, Zachar v'shamar. Rabbi says, when it comes to Shabbos, when it comes to Shabbos, we have two distinct parts to Shabbos. There's Zachar and Shamar. So what's your seen Zachar and Shamar? They ref- these refer to ultimately, again, the positive commandments and the prohibitions associated with Shabbos. So Zachar refers to all the positive commandments, the things I'm obligated to do on Shabbos, Onik Shabbos, things like that. Shamar, ultimately refers to the prohibitions. So there's a linkage between the two. And what does the linkage teach me? The linkage ultimately teaches me, whoever is obligated ultimately again in the prohibitions of Shabbos, ultimately again is obligated in the positive commandments on Shabbos. Since women are obligated ultimately again in the prohibitions of Shabbos, i.e. the Lamates Malachas, they're also obligated in Halach Lamaisa in the, in the positive commandments of Shabbos as well, like Yiddish. I will say, we'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up with that last piece and we're going to see, by the way, this serves as a model that essentially whenever you have a body of Halacha that has both prohibitions and positive obligations, even if the positive obligations are time-bound, if you're obligated in the prohibitions, by definition, you're obligated in the positive aspects. So I'll say,